0: Thanks for tuning in to Jin and Tantra. As always, please like, subscribe, and share. And if you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, please leave us a review. It helps the show. In today's episode, we continue our breakdown of karma. We discuss the effects of negative emotions, positive and negative forces on one's karmic tendencies, insight and intention, rules, freedom, and the potential corruption of one's local environment. Enjoy the episode. Welcome to Jin and Tantra, Spirituality with a Twist, the podcast that takes Tantrism, Buddhism, Taoism, Sufism, Kabbalism, Shamanism, Chinese medicineism. <laughs> And all of the other isms we've been influenced by and blends them into a tall, crisp cool cocktail your spirit has been longing I want for You to get together <sighs> Now isn't that refreshing? I want you to get together)
1: uh um all right so we got these four things you got the idea of a throwing uh karma you got the idea of an environmental one whatever you want to call that might be different phrases around this you're building up propensities within yourself that are similar to the causes that led to them like you're going to keep those same things they're going to grow and evolve but they're going to be built out of like whatever propensities you already built in yourself you're going to have experiences they're going to build from that it's in a kind of a cause and effect way especially as it affects like you know, in Tibet, they like to talk about consciousness, but they sort of mean like the spirit of the soul. So, okay. So then the next thing that comes up with this is it can be contaminated or uncontaminated. Those are harsh words. Contaminated sounds a little, uh, but you know, positive or unpositive, maybe might be a different way to phrase that. So it sounds less, and sometimes those words sound a little monkish to me or nunnish to me. And I don't always vibe with that as much that language, you know? Yeah, pure and unpure or whatever you don't have to really talk that way necessarily but you know uh fortuitous and and not fortuitous or whatever so it's kind of weird uh, you know the, the the stuff that isn't positive is usually associated with this oh, the stuff that is positive should frame it that way the stuff that's positive is associated with um a tantric buddhist wisdom insight and this way of talking, which is essentially this recognition of things aren't permanent and uh, solid and real in the way that they appear. So that's kind of the insight. So as long as you have that thing going on, there's a really strong tantric Buddhist argument that like you're not building up negative juju because you're seeing things clearly. Okay, that's one side of things. When they talk about, oh, yep. Yeah. So Daniel had to warn me, I was inadvertently so hyped about the subject matter that I was tapping on the table where, <laughs> where, the, where the laptop is. Whoops. It's all about the professionalism. Whoops. Okay, so, so this like thing that is, I mean, you could use the word contaminated, but, eh, but let's say not positive, lacks this understanding. In mm-hmm. Tibetan Buddhist lingo, tantric lingo, this is called ignorance. So when they talk about ignorance, this is one of the levels of this where you just, you impose on things uh, uh, an artificial solid solidity that doesn't really have. Okay, so that's that whole subject matter that's talked about all the time on this podcast. Okay, cool. The other side of this thing that is not good is uh, what you would call, might call afflictive emotions or negative emotions. This idea that the stuff that isn't good karma is going to be built up from things that are coming from like kind of bad emotional places. So, you know, that's kind of an interesting idea here too. And that gets into kind of like, I, I, want, I want to talk about a little bit more about this issue to go further is kind of like uh, some of the Buddhist psychological impacts of this, but that's where it is. All right, what do you think, Daniel? What do you, you got something on contaminated, uncontaminated or good or bad? Do you have thoughts on any of that stuff? Does that kind of vibe with how you think about things? You're talking about earlier, good actions tend to produce more positive propensities, bad Yeah, actions. Well, that's kind of fits into what you were talking I about. I think yeah? so, yeah. Yeah, I think yeah. So. So the part is like psychologically, you want to work on the the negative emotional states. And I didn't list them here. I think it's worth like a whole nother episode. But they basically talk about this ignorance. They talk about um, uh, like kind of like a greediness or a possessiveness. They talk about bad aspects of attachment. They talk about jealousy and envy. And they talk about anger. So just throwing them out there. And, you know, if, if you're looking at this stuff really seriously in yourself, I think that's worth a whole nother episode. But anyways, that's what they kind of talk about, especially those afflictive emotions. And yeah. those,
0: I mean, from a, from for those who who study, uh, you know, traditional Chinese medicine or, or you know, mm-hmm. Taoist theory, those five, right, can fit on the the generating cycle in terms of the elements. You know, I, I, I feel yeah. like very easily they can be lined up you know your attachment is to your metal element. You know um, the envy is, the and the wood, right? Yeah. Yep. Yep. You know all. Yeah. So they, they you can you can and then this this kind of relates back to our conversation previously about having numerous traditions at your kind of disposal to go back and forth because if you have, if you have a really strong knowledge or paradigm that's in your mind, you don't want to compare everything to that, but it is there for your just to use it at your disposal that you could take other other topics that are seemingly related and superimpose them and see, oh, maybe I can have a deeper understanding based on things that are familiar to me. So it has a place then within your, you know, within your heart, within your mind that, that it works for you in terms of a working definition for, you know, application.
1: You know, it's really crazy about that whole thing is I got like tons of these texts where it's like Chinese people inheriting Chinese Taoists, you know, Chinese Buddhists inheriting things from India and trying to make, see how these things connect. Mm. Like I got tons of that, that stuff sitting on the shelf and sometimes it fits clunky and sometimes it fits more smoothly, but either way, it's thought provoking, mm-hmm. you know, it's really fascinating. Like for a while, because I was trying to integrate, you know, my, my Chinese medical side, my Taoist side in with the parts that were more connected to Tibet and India. I was like doing those practices on a daily basis. And, uh, they were really integrating, like integrating things that were Chinese. <laughs> so mm-hmm. we'd have all this, all the Chinese medical stuff would be like tossed in there, just like it felt a little random. <laughs> it just be in there you know because they were trying to pull it together exactly what you're talking about anyways we i mean i think it's worthwhile a whole episode on those afflictive emotions because there's a lot you can say about it but they are yeah. tied into like the theory of the elements from a, a a tantric like buddhist point of view too like ignorance is tied into the earth mm-hmm. and um uh, this kind of possessiveness and greediness is tied into the water, yeah. and these sort of like negative aspects of attachment is tied into the fire, and then so on. So, jealousy and envy is tied into the energy and the, what they make, sometimes call the wind or the prana. And then, anger is sort of like a, an aspect of consciousness is overall, which is kind of interesting. So, anyways, got these five elements. They tie those things together. But for another episode, from the karmic point of view, then they start talking about like someone's like individual psychological state when they're doing stuff so this is kind of interesting again too daniel i think because it's not just that you do something they're also talking about what's your psychological state when you do it yeah so that's considered to be really important it's not just that you did something it's like where was your headspace at doing correct it? how you do it which is yeah. how you know lots of things are justified actually
0: in the tantric tradition you know into and including murder actually uh based on this but- Based on the yeah. circumstances and your intention and, and what what where were you at mentally, emotionally, you know, energetically when you did what you did. So, you know, that always use extreme examples like, okay, would you if you had to kill a Hitler character, or you know, you know, that one of the you know precepts is you're not gonna do do no harm. You know, well, what if you're gonna save millions of lives for this one being? I you know, every tantric teacher I've ever heard speak about it, you you do the thing. You yeah, yeah, yeah. You have to. Yeah. You know, if you know, if you're truly, uh, you know, an arhat or, uh, you know, some higher bodhisattva and you can and you can kind of project into the future and say, oh, this is not going well, you know, and this is not going to go well, then you do that, but you don't do it out of anger at that person for their actions. You do it out of compassion for
1: the future beings that will be saved from this one particular action. Yeah, The Zen school I was studying was very samurai. And there's sometimes you might have to like commit acts of violence that you think, okay you're a, a zen buddhist compassionate person how the hell do you do that but you get in the state to do it and they have like famous stories about that the swordsman goes up and he's a zen person and a samurai or a swords person and they're gonna like take someone's life that they think is necessary but they're doing it in the wrong headspace and they like okay say shit they gotta back up so i gotta get in a different headspace before i do this thing yeah hold, hold on this with the wrong let your
0: head stay on your shoulders just for a couple more minutes here i need to i need to breathe and <laughs> And work
1: it out you know? my headspace needs to be better before you yeah. lose yours <laughs> that's my practice uh-huh. okay
0: thanks if
1: <laughs> you're on the please, receiving end of that please
0: stand over there I'll be, <laughs> I'll be with you in just a moment
1: yes you will soon be served well, um, next, you
0: know we, we've mentioned this this at least i've mentioned this quote before uh a couple of times you know they had the, the the short story of the, the zen practitioner who's asking their teacher you know like we're we're warriors. We're we're Zen war, you know, we're we're samurais. We should be out doing things. We're here gardening. And the teacher said, like, uh, better to be a warrior in the garden than a, a gardener at uh, than a gardener at war, you know?
1: <laughs> yeah, 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 yeah. I'd say and the thing about like, you know, killing Hitler or whatever, right? We were my daughter hates this whole like uh trope in American movies and shit in the Marvel universe <laughs> or in the DC universe. Like uh, it happens over and over again on like Green Arrow, the TV show. I don't know if people watch it or never watch it or whatever. But they're constantly like killing everybody. Every henchman of the main villain gets shot with an arrow and kicked off the top of the building, <laughs> you know. And then when they finally get to the main person who's the culprit, they freeze and they just go, "I can't take his life. It's not right. He has to be brought to justice." And you're like, "You just killed twenty dudes!" <laughs> to get to this one and, guy and they are all dudes by the way <laughs> they're usually dudes <laughs> so the villain might be a female character but either way there's that moment my daughter's always like Ugh. so we were watching like the x-men movies <laughs> and like uh, uh, you know professor xavier who's the character who has these psychic powers if you don't know the bit uh he could really like kill magneto <laughs> in yes. movie number one Yeah, he could just save everyone a whole lot of hassle. (laughs) And he just refuses to do it. And it's just like, my daughter's just like, ah! Again, it's the same thing. Kill Magneto already, get over it. He's going to kill millions of people (laughs) before this is done with. Well, it's probably most of your friends or like some of the other main characters or whatever. Maybe not most of your friends. That would make it for a bad series. But you know, they're going to do things that are bad and hurt a bunch of people. Just end it now. (laughs) No, (laughs) we can't do it. It's not right drives her crazy so she definitely has like an inner uh uh, zen attitude (laughs) Mm -hmm. like take hitler out and magneto while you're at it and you know that's everything would be much better right Yeah. yeah yeah all right so cool so what they do about the psychological state is they talk about like intention like where's your intention at what's the nature of the action that you do and then how do you feel afterwards They sometimes use the word like uh, satisfaction or rejoicing after an action. Rejoicing seems a little bit over the top. (laughs) You might not be rejoicing afterwards, you know, but is it something that you feel good about? And this will impact like how the karma builds up is the idea. So your intention coming in matters. How you do something ultimately matters too, you know, and then, you know, how you feel afterwards matters. So that's a pretty good way of framing that. And it does kind of give you a psychological headspace to come from, I think, with this. You, know, yeah. you can kind of look at yourself and say, okay, what's my intention coming into this thing? How do I want to handle this in a way that seems like it's right? you know? And then you know, how do I feel in the aftermath of it? And then they also say this can be conscious or unconscious. You might not always know all the aspects of yourself you might have to look later on and go ah shit i thought i was doing this for this reason but when i'm really honest with myself afterwards i was doing it for this reason and ah, shit like that could happen right so i think this is where you get like the meditative part to the internal reflection part that asks you to look at yourself to become really clear on why you're doing things we haven't done anything conscious and unconscious, but we probably will at some point. But that's pretty deep, I think.
0: Yeah, we've danced around it before. You know, mm-hmm. We've
1: taken it out for dinner,
0: that's talked, true. On, talked on the phone, a few text messages, yeah. but nothing serious.
1: Yeah, we got to get, like, because I want to talk about repression. <laughs> so, really in <laughs> well, okay. so I got interested, like, I got an interest. So now it's going to happen. Okay. Now this, this, this relationship is going to go someplace. Let's make it, let's make it real. There's motivation. Let's change Uh, change our status. I have have intention, action, and satisfaction involved. (laughs) There we go.
0: Well, once you change your Facebook status,
1: then, then it's, then it's real. Then it's getting serious. Yeah. So anyway, so this is it. So there is this idea of like looking through, I mean, I think we all feel this thing, you know, you do something and you're like, well, okay. It's like, maybe I thought it was that, but maybe it isn't. So that kind of thing. So then in the end, like this is probably true of, you know, most Buddhist thought, especially tantric Buddhist thought a lot of Asian thought in Zen, Taoism, overall, this idea that you have to look at yourself in this thoughtful way. And then also, doing good doesn't mean that you just follow some set of rules that like popped out of some burning bush or something like that, Mm. which is probably more of a Western vibe on things as long as you follow the rules, then you probably are doing good. That's not how they talk. You have to like, go a little deeper. You got to really understand what's my intention. What's my action. Shout out how to our rule about... followers
0: in the, in the audience. <laughs> no, I know,
1: I know there's some metal types out there. I know it. I can feel it. <laughs> we can feel your metal. That's right. <laughs> Magnetizing. <Magneto. laughs> yeah. Conscious and unconscious in ways too. So uh, yeah, you, you have to look at this stuff. It's interesting. This took me a little bit because I was raised Catholic, you know, yeah. and I always felt this tension. Like I was like, well, okay, just following these rules. Eh. And I didn't even agree with all the rules for sure. And I could certainly tell even as a teenager, I was like, well, some of these rules don't make any sense. I don't want to follow these things. So I don't know. You, has that been the thing in your life?
0: Rule following? Yeah. I like what Mary Kay said when I was in class with her. She said, uh, you have to learn the rules so you know how you can bend them.
1: Uh, yes. Well, that's and, very pragmatic that's very very, very pragmatic that's like you need to know the laws of nature so you know where you can kind of like mess with them
0: yeah and i i yeah. I, I quite like that you know i i mean look i have a huge problem with authority because i think i could do a better job <laughs> not because i don't like the person who's in charge they're just generally an idiot um however do they happen
1: in the military a lot
0: oh my gosh constantly <laughs> are you kidding me you know like I, I had a huge problem with it then. And I still uh-huh. really do, to be honest, you know, but it's a, it's a, it's a huge machine that the military in general, you know, uh-huh. and it's ineffectively run, it's over budgeted and underperforming in, in a, in a fiscal sense, not in a personnel sense, you know, people work to their capacities, I believe, and, and beyond really, you know, so I'm not mm-hmm. talking about the people, but you know, they waste tons of money on, on overpriced products and, things that should cost pennies cost, you know, like 30, 40, 50, $60. And, and you're buying them in mass quantity. So there's just a lot of waste, you know? It's like corruption
1: of, almost, right? Yeah. Almost, but it's ineptitude because it's a bureaucratic. Oh, okay, you saying it's, a, it's even more, it's more ineptitude than corruption necessarily. Yeah, no, combo package.
0: Mm-hmm. yeah, but it's it just, it's really a lot of ineptitude and a lot of like built in contracts people have with these companies for years and year. It just, it, it really isn't good. And so you, but you see it from the inside, you're like, this could be done better. Um, and you know, they're just like, like any large bureaucratic machine, it could always be run better. And but no, no, nobody has the motivation to do it because if it works for you and you're at the top, you're not going to change.
1: Yeah. It's really funny about it is you have a very, we joke about it on the show, but you have a very Capricornian then resistance to authority because it just doesn't practically work. It doesn't work. Yeah, it doesn't work. I have a very like kind of uh, uh, Gemini-esque resistance to authority because I want to be free to do what I want. Yes. <laughs> and I want other people to be free too. Yeah. Yeah. So and yeah, it's kind of interesting. So I think I just want to bring up the burning bush thing because I think that's a natural person's, a, a, a lot of Western people's reaction to this kind of thing or uh, whatever. A lot of people's reaction to these things is well. It must be some kind of rules, doesn't it? Didn't they come up from somewhere? Didn't they end up on a tablet or something? They doesn't, did. Like Buddha have a tablet where he tells you what to do? Well, you this know? also this also is pervasive in
0: our in our culture because we are whether people want to agree with it or not. We are absolutely a Judeo Christian influenced society all over. You know, and yeah. the ones that are not still have those ideas imprinted in the Western view of the world, which is everywhere because it's the Western view and capitalism are hand in hand. They're hand in hand at this point, you know? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, So you can't, so we can't remove one from the other. And and a lot of those beliefs just get passed through society, whether that's right or that's wrong. You know, I'm not, I'm not totally sure. I think with everything, there's some positives, some negatives, but I can say for sure that those rules, you know, that idea of, you know, especially in the the Catholic and, and, you know, Judaic, you know, Christian thing. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah they're in there, they're in here and you have to decide what we talk about this all the time, breaking out of them. But I think you have to feel the pressure of those rules upon your existence, upon your life choices in order for you to have the motivation to break out or else you never, if you don't feel it, you'll never question it. You just continue
1: on. Yeah. Like shout out out to the last episode. That was kind of where it was ending. It was a kind of complicated episode we did last time. So, you know, we were really talking about a very personal thing of what it feels like to feel yourself changing and have conflict with a lot of times these rules yes and i'm like i've been talking about this all over with people lately in my life so that was very personal for me right Mm -hmm. and i'm like i spent a lot of time studying zen and and the buddhist tantra and sufism and other things that don't have much to do with these otherwise to christian attitudes towards things it just doesn't fit or doesn't even come up yeah, I don't know what people would think if they actually learned them. Who knows? Right. But, you know, uh, anyways, we, that was that was the gist of the episode. So mm-hmm. I, think, I think for sure, and maybe we'll do this in the offing really soon, we'll talk about conscious, unconscious repression rules. It's a hot subject. Maybe that's where our heads are at now. I'm down. All right. So, yeah. So the reaction of like expecting stuff to come out of like the burning bush, though, is really interesting because I had like a Catholic friend of mine when I first started studying Zen. Real nice guy, like sweet guy. We'd known each other since we were kids. And he was like, "Uh uh-oh, you know, you're you're leaving. You're leaving the fold. You're leaving the flock, you know, uh uh-oh. And I think it was hard for him. And I remember we went on like a little mini, like a cross-country skiing thing. We rented a hotel, uh, like a little lodge thing. We were going to like, you know, hang out with uh, significant others and, you know, drink a little bit, ski a little bit, do whatever we're going to do, right? It's like a little winter vacation thing. And he just brought a gift kind of out of nowhere. I don't know if there was a real reason. I don't know if it was even for Christmas or something, but he just gave me this gift. And he was like, I've been thinking a lot about what you've been going through. So here's a list of the Buddhist rules that <laughs> he had in a book. <laughs> and he was like, well, I guess this is where the rules are probably here. So I guess if you follow these rules, you'll be okay. <laughs> and I was yeah. like, okay, dude, <laughs> I think we're misunderstanding each other. <laughs> where we're coming from but that was he gave me a copy of the dhammapada and he looked at it like well i guess this is like the equivalent of like you know what the what the the role of something like the new testament was supposed to be in in uh catholicism if you follow this thing well then you'll be all right and i was like i i think we're not understanding each other dave (laughs) i think we have a failure to communicate but very sweet thing to do I, i appreciated the action right he was being a good dude. Right, anyways, so so we kind of looked at this idea of actions, karma could be built up in positive or negative ways. It has a lot to depend on uh, how you see things. It's a lot of mental stuff involved in that. And then the last thing probably around this is talking about what they sometimes call propelling and completing karma. People might use these phrases in different ways, but w- what I'm trying to say here is the propelling is the stuff that's kind of built up going in. There's this uh, sort of um, built up potentials that are there. And depending what happens immediately, this is more like the completing karma. So you got some tendencies in you, you got some possibilities for karmic things to happen. And then the circumstances appear. Those circumstances are like the completing karma. And then those two things meet and then that's when the thing happens. So we have in the way that they're going to talk about this, you have all kinds of like karmic seeds or karmic imprints, and they're kind of sitting there and they may not pop up. But then something happens, and all of a sudden it pops up, and now this thing appears. You know, it's kind of weird. It's almost like like epigenetics if you're more of a medical person. You know, the genes are sitting there, and under the right circumstances, they'll get active or something. I think if you're like a Buddhist person talking now, you'd almost like say something like that. The seeds are there. The karmic seeds are there. The genetic seeds are there on the physical body. And then something happens, and bang, all of a sudden that genetic thing gets triggered. But that circumstance didn't happen, that thing wouldn't get triggered. You know what I'm saying, Daniel? Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah, yeah. So you. Anyway, so this is kind of the completion of this thing that brings the thing you know to actual fruition now. This whole thing becomes then part of this idea of what you might call it karmic imprints. And in general, I think you tend to emphasize like the negative sides of these things in Buddhist conversations because you're trying to help people deal with the negative aspects of negative karma or something so you tend to emphasize the negative but it's also true that these things can be relatively positive the idea that good results come from good actions so in buddhist thought you could say and this is where i think it's going to get why i want to double back and i think it's kind of interesting to double back to some of the um the stuff that's more gnostic but basically the idea like you know um good things come from good actions so you'll get more power in the future karmically if you behave ethically ethics will lead to power money will lead to will come from generosity the more generous you are the more propensity you'll have to have money in the future beauty comes from patience there's a whole list of things like this they were kind of are especially around um uh what are considered to be like the good actions for a buddhist person to engage in to build up good karma they have these things called the six paramitas things like generosity, ethics, patience, effort, concentration, wisdom, you know, so if you do these things, they'll tend to produce good karmic results in the future is the gist of this. So that's the idea of it, right? And these good things come from good actions. All right, so that's the theory of karma in a nutshell. You got anything else you wanted to like throw around about that? No, I quite like I, I like the, the paramitas actually, you know, the idea. Uh-huh, uh-huh. I, I like the, I like those ideas. Yeah, Yeah, yeah. So I think that's in Bobby T's book the last one he came on to talk about, right? Robert Thurman, Mm -hmm. he was talking about the Paramitas, right? Mm -hmm. Cheer the fuck up or whatever he called it. Wisdom is bliss. (laughs) Wisdom is bliss. The the alternative title, cheer the fuck up.
0: That's right.
1: Okay. So that's kind of like, you know, if you ever wondered, you know, well, what is this karmic thing they're talking about? This is it. So I had two reactions, I guess, for the tail end of this episode. And uh, we'll see what we think about them. One is, you know, is it Robert Wright? Is that his name? Or is it Richard Wright who wrote that Buddhism is true book? Robert Reich. Robert, is it Reich or Wright? Anyways, so he wrote this book called Buddhism is True. And I think there's kind of a psychology in all this. I was thinking about this as I was putting these things together. Like you can kind uh, of use- Why
0: why Buddhism is True, Robert Wright. Why Buddhism is True. Yeah, Yeah.
1: Robert Wright. Robert Wright. So it's it's interesting because you can kind of think about this even psychologically. Again, I came from a psych background coming into Asian culture. Mm
0: -hmm.
1: And you can kind of look at things you know, through this framework, regardless, even from like a psychological per- perspective, like, I don't think Robert Wright's thing is that he's a Buddhist. He's not. He's just interested in like the idea of like, there are lots of things in Buddhism that you can kind of say are psychologically true, right? But and he's like done, he's, I mean, he it. talks about some of his retreats that he's been on, you know, how deep is he into that? Maybe I'm, maybe I'm misunderstanding him.
0: I, and I mean, he, I mean, he talked about it on, on his retreats, you know, he talked about some retreats, some Vipassana retreats that he was on.
1: Like I guess the only way we're gonna know is have him on this podcast. We have to try to get him on here. Let's go, oh, Bob. <laughs> B W. Explain yourself, Bobby. Bobby W. Mm-hmm. Yeah. <laughs> B- uh, that doesn't have the same ring to it. <laughs> no. So, um, so one of the things I'll say is that you can kind of look at this and decide: okay, these are propensities in myself that aren't good. Now I'm gonna work to let them go. And then the buddhist thing you'd say well am i working to let this go i'm actually like improving my future selves when i get rid of this negative tendency that's going to make things better for not only everybody else in the immediate probably mm-hmm. but like me and everybody else in the future so it has a kind of a weird thing in buddhism but psychologically that's still true Even if you don't even if you think buddhism's crap <laughs> mm-hmm. you can still go and say yeah that's probably true if i change these things in myself now i won't have these problems in my future Uh, within my lifetime you know my shit will be better and so that's a very positive kind of buddhist psychological thing right it asks you to look at this and say okay how can i change this stuff or you know i was thinking a lot about daniel i was thinking especially in my life now just feeling like you tried your best at something like you really tried there's some thing professionally that you're trying to do you know, or there's a thing in your personal life with your relationships you're trying to do and you really tried, like you're like, okay, we were talking about that last week with loyalty, I think. Mm-hmm. You know, you have loyalty to a, to a person or a loyalty to like what you're trying to do and you try your best. And then, you know, at least you can say you tried. So you can self-reflect in these kind of deeper Buddhist ways and realize, yeah, you know, like I really have tried and now I can kind of be at peace with myself and let that thing go. Does that make sense what I'm saying? Yeah. Yeah, I've been thinking about that a lot. And the last part of this is that you can kind of purposely, I've been thinking about this a lot in the past week, uh, too, uh, uh. where you can kind of purposely develop a mind that is more full of bliss, a mind that's more full of like, wisdom, compassion, moment by moment, which, I mean, I think if you're tantric Buddhist person, you're trying to do this all the time. You're a Zen person you're trying to do this all the time. But it comes in waves where you sort of like really make yourself think about it. Mm. (laughs) Presumably I'm doing this every day. But there'll be weeks where I'm like, I really better start doing this. Right. (laughs) More seriously. So I got, I don't know, things, things happened in my life and I was like, okay, I gotta start doing this. Because when you do that, you realize you feel better. And then you're just functioning from a better place. And your ways of handling things with other people are better. Right. So anyways, you can kind of use Buddhism in this psychological sense. If you happen to listen to this podcast and you're like, well, I know what I think about parts of this, this part you can still use, you know what I mean? And it will still work for you. So I think that's really important, right? You can kind of use these same general ideas. And realize, it's- okay. These positive actions will build up positive psychological propensities in me and that will help my life or whatever, however you want to do it.
0: I mean, this kind of, you know, harkens back to what we talked about earlier in terms of like you being able to have an effect on that outside world through your own internal change, right? Like that's, this is, this is that same thing in action.
1: And also improve your own life too. Right. Yeah. Like I think in Buddhism, one of the things is like, it's not martyrdom. No, you know, it's like, you're going to improve yourself. And that's also going to improve situations for other people too. It's not a martyrdom situation. Right. Right. Yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. I mean, that's one of the,
1: it's just a Judeo-Christian problem for sure.
0: Well, that's one of the things that, you know, Robert Thurman likes about, Buddhism and he always talks about this he's like the goal is not to convert people and make more Buddhist the goal is to have the you know the dharma teachings and buddhist teachings make you a better christian make you a better muslim make you a better you know what whatever humanist I mean it doesn't matter like use the ideas use the, the the practices to make you just better at the other things that you're already doing you don't need to like adopt everything wholeheartedly you just continue to
1: improve yeah so it's kind of like um that fits into the psychological aspect too.
0: Mm-hmm.
1: You're just using these tools to improve yourself. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's right. I think even back in the day with my like my Catholic friend I was talking about who gave me the book on the ski trip. Mm-hmm. <laughs> there was a book by, mm, I can't remember his name, but he was a Catholic priest who got really into Zen meditation. And I had bought the book because I was just interested. And I lent it to my friend. I was like, here, peek this. Maybe this will add something to your life. Mm. And I think he kept it. <laughs> Never gave it back to me. Maybe it added Maybe there's something that came out of that bush about that. (laughs) Thou shalt not. But anyways, that was fine. (laughs) Um. All right. So that was that. The other thing that like brought this all back to our Gnosticism series that we are bringing to a elegant and graceful and satisfying closure is this is different. And I do wonder about this. A Gnosticism. There's really this sense of like. A corrupt local world that we're living in this encapsulated pocket of like bad with negative forces up to no good you can think keanu and uh, lawrence fishburne the matrix right and so in gnosticism it's kind of interesting like the bad deeds work here then doing shitty stuff will probably make you more successful under these conditions because it's a corrupt and kind of nasty local environment. And I, you know, whereas in Buddhism, the idea would be that you, you get money because you're generous, like mm. Pete Cadence, but you can look at a lot of rich people. They ain't so generous. No. Right. Or you get beauty because you're patient. Well, I don't know, you know, or you can get I mean, th- uh, this culture because you're ethical.
0: Yeah, but this, the beauty and patience. This culture would would argue the opposite because you can easily correct mistakes or what you believe to be mistakes, right? You have too much uh, one part of your body, you can get it cut off. You don't, yeah, yeah. you know, you uh, you know haven't been doing so much exercise and your face a little wrinkly now. Well, no problem. We'll just uh, put some poison in there and uh, that's it. No big deal. Move on.
1: Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it's an interesting like this part does. I hadn't thought about it this way until we were doing these episodes. And I thought, okay, I don't know what I think about this exactly. Because mm. within the confines, which is more persuasive? <laughs> the idea that the people around you are, they were really generous before. Jeff Bezos was really, really generous. Donald Trump was really, really generous. Now he's just dropping the ball <laughs> and something happened. But before, in these previous lives, he was super awesome, generous, and those seeds came to fruition when uh, you were born into a rich environment or you just happened to stumble into an extremely s- special Ponzi scheme. <laughs> mm-hmm. And uh, you know, and now, unfortunately, you're blowing your karmic store of Juju. But before that, you had built up all this positive, generous momentum. It's just now, all of a sudden, you're just, you just totally dropped the ball on all of that. I don't know. Like, I honestly don't know. That's I guess what a, like a more literal Buddhist thing would be, Mm. but that's, I don't know. That seems debatable to me. (laughs) So I want to be honest about these things and doing these episodes. I'm like, yeah, "Yeah, that's not a simple problem. Like that narcissism is much more compelling. It's a corrupt environment with corrupt forces that reward, that have a tendency to reward corrupt deeds. Not overall, but it has a strong tendency to work that way. Yeah. Yeah. Within this, within the system that it's in. That seems compelling to me. I don't know what else to say about that. But you I can at least have to, there's nothing you could possibly say. No, you can't deny it. No, but you know, I think, but I think
0: the, the argument, if I can, you know, use this argument would be that that we're looking at it from a finite time perspective. Right. And that if we were to, expand that time field to more than just this life or these hundred years or less 50 years, 40 years, you know, that we would see that perhaps, or perhaps we would see that that would not be good in the long run. You know, we're taking it as, as if we were, as if the story was finished. Now the story, however, is not finished now. So we'll never truly know, you know?
1: Yeah. I think that's how it is. I think that's like probably the Buddhist answer to that. In the immediate, it looks like the things that are being done that are pretty nasty, opportunistically negative, um, manipulative, right? Those things might be seen to be paying off in the short run, but they're not going to pay off in the long run. Correct. But it does imply that the environment is locally corrupt. Um, Yes. There's any way around that. You know what I mean? So, I mean yeah, I just, I think we agree. I just wanted to have an honest conversation about it. Otherwise, mm-hmm. it seems like you're just, I never want to be in the situation of what we're doing here where we're just kind of mouthing robotically something that's said in some text. No. I just don't want to do that. I think no. you have to be able to look at this thing through a thoughtful lens. And it obviously seems to me like, I guess what I got out of Gnosticism was like, yeah, the acknowledgement of like, yeah, there this there's a truth in what they're saying there. Mm-hmm. The environment locally is corrupt and it doesn't do what on the surface these Buddhist things immediately seem to say. <clears throat> it's not like your generosity is obvious. These tendencies are obvious in the people who are accumulating tons of power. They seem the exact opposite actually, right? Yeah, they're and not so, ethical. They're not ethical at all. Yeah, yeah power is not stemming from ethics. <laughs> maybe spiritually in the wrong run but in the short run that doesn't seem to be the case so anyways i think we're honest about it right yeah and i think the answer is something like yeah there is a a short-term way in which what's being accumulated here may not be for the good for like some corrupt political person or some corrupt you know corporate top of the hierarchy you know manipulative opportunistic Dickish person, right? Right. That's not going to be ultimately for the good, and maybe not even that great in the short term. This is this is sometimes talked about too. Maybe those people are really in psychologically internally disturbed on some level, right? I mean, doesn't like a Jeff Bezos type? Doesn't he look just kind of messed up on some level? I mean, it's hoarding. Yeah. Well, I mean it's it's, a, it's it's one of those negative Buddhist emotions. It's a klesha. It's greed.
0: Yeah, I mean, it's, it's greed. greed it's, it's greed and, and probably
1: envy and ending competitiveness, right?
0: I mean, they they exhibit a lot of the same type of behaviors that people who you know have hoarding issues without the money to back it up, right? This, you know, I mean, and 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 I, you know, we don't have time to get into this idea, but you know, even a lot of with like sort of new age spiritual mentality, the idea of like focusing on like abundance and law of attraction and pulling thing toward pulling things and it is things towards you is rooted in a lot of those same ideas about like trying to move away from the feeling of scarcity, which I totally understand. But then it's it's placed in, in it's placed into things and those things are trying to fill a void and then void is not fillable with things. It's not fillable with things, it's not fillable with money, you know it's not fillable with desires. it's not you know like that thing is not fillable. And I just when I look at some of the people who have, there is certainly who doesn't want to live a, a nice life and have money to go where you want when you want to go there and work if you want to want everybody wants that that's awesome like that's great no one's gonna say oh that's stupid you know,
1: however, even like the, the point I don't want to kill your flow but even the point like you don't want to live with the stressors of not having that up to a certain point right sure but then yeah, at, yeah. Some,
0: at some point then, then at some point, how much is enough, how much is enough, and at, at some point, what does that become a detriment to you and what you stop working so then what's the point of your existence. Just to be, in, just to be a, a, someone who expends, you know, someone who buys, someone who purchases, someone who is trying to fulfill their desires. You and I both have friends, you know, who are, you know, I'm, I don't want to say it, but they're kind of trust fund people. And that's fine. Uh, yeah, yeah. They were born mm-hmm. into it. Their lives are not, You would say, oh my God, I wish I had all that money. They are not happy.
1: They're not any happier. Than than, than, than anybody a else. see tendency like you can see how that can develop. You can do a little Buddhist cause and effect on it. You can see how that sometimes will play it. Like a lot of times, will play itself out. Yeah, because they the purpose end up with a sort of like yeah like existential purpose purposelessness you, or something. You need right?
0: it. You need it. You know. You need that bit bit of ex, like, that kind of drive. That external drive to connect. That external drive to do. And and so this is tough. And and the the psychology of of the hoarder mentality, which is the same as those who have, you know, billions. And I'm, and if that's offensive to billionaires, too bad. So sad. You know, uh, <laughs> I'm sure you'll survive with a golden band-aids, you know, and uh, private healthcare or whatever. On your, uh, you know? on
1: your egos that were damaged or something? Yeah. You know, yeah. like
0: it is what it is. Like it is what it is. You're not going to spend that money in your life. And more importantly, you don't even have a desire to, you know, the desire is there to simply hold more and hold more and hold more. And, you know, our society, val- this is what we value in this life, this culture, not you or I, but this culture values that, that that's a form of success. They must be smart. They must be an alpha, you know, whether they're male or female, they just must be in the right. This is the cream. This is the best our society has produced. And I will say, no, that is not the best our society has produced. The inventor of the thing is some of the best that our society has produced. The person who's willing to give themselves away for an, an idea is the best that our society has produced. Now, I'm not going to say if their idea is good or bad, but your willingness to like exist beyond just the limitations of who you are, this is bold. You know, this is bold. Now, sometimes they work for ISIS and that's not so great, you know, <laughs> You know, but I mean, you know, I have to be, I got to call it what it is. You know, I, I say, okay, well, that's madness, but Jesus was kind of a mad person, mm-hmm, you know, to be that kind of, com- you know, insanely compassionate and all the Bodhisattvas, the Mother Teresa's, you know, like these people who give themselves to me, this is impressive because they don't hoard anything except for maybe like good feelings and not for, not through
1: psychedelics, you know? <laughs> so the funny thing about it is like, this is where I think narcissism makes you think about this stuff. Yeah. Cause it makes you think about, okay, so what constitutes, uh good karma or bad karma or something like that and you can take a step back and say okay if i'm really serious about this stuff what Nazism is saying is that you could live under a social circumstance where the you'll be rewarded for actions that are like uh very suboptimal (laughs) yes so you're in this situation now There's a kind of a delusion effect there, like what you were saying, you could walk around in a cultural setting like that. And they're saying, well, I guess since the rewards are coming through these routes, well, that must be good somehow. And maybe these people actually deserved it. And probably they're, you know, of a higher type of mentality and their shit is good. Yeah. Right. And that's like, then you can get kind of like mind fucked around that. Sure. Yeah. Right. And, and I like, you know, guess people do, right. And I think for people who'd be listening to this show, you know, maybe not on like a daily basis, or how should you say this? Inside, <laughs> underneath the surface, these ideas are, might be there. You know what I'm saying? Sure. They might not be like your conscious place of acting, but maybe like we, you internalize the ideas of the culture. So you could feel something like, well, I'm not cleaning up, you know, like uh, I don't got the big money grip the way some other people do. So maybe uh, I'm not as good. Maybe I'm right. not as karmically worthy. Maybe I need like someone to teach me the secret so I can attract this shit to me. Correct. But that's like the Nasta thing is saying, well, no, that's all upside down. You're in a bizarro world. Mm-hmm. You know, you're in a place where, where things are rewards are being given based on things that like aren't that good, right? And it gets you to think that way. Yeah.
0: Yeah. And so and I think it's yeah, it skews, It just it skews people's. Um... Views on, on personal worth.
1: It really does. Yeah. And also like, kind of like even what like spiritual practices too, because a lot of it boils down to, we haven't done the neoliberal episode. We probably should. have not. What is neoliberalism and how does it affect you? But like a lot of the spiritual stuff is what you were talking about. How do I bring more positive things into my life? Mm-hmm. Right. And then the other side of it is. Um you know, yeah, it's it, well, it's just that. Yes, that's what <laughs> the others all on it. Scratch that. There was no there was no point two. Oh, <laughs> it was just point oh, one. Wow. But it was kind of more like also like how do I self-help? Yeah. So I can bring more <laughs> positive. right. Either I'm directly attracting or I'm like turning I'm changing my internal state <laughs> so I can become a more successful person. So I'm not magically attracting. I'm just going to like attract because I'll be more effective and uh, whatever. I mean, right. that's what a lot of this stuff is, yeah. right? Ugh. 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 So that's what we're trying to like talk about here. So, yeah. I mean, you get to look at this honestly within yourself. Yeah. And a funny conversation we had talked about uh, way back in the day when we did these episodes on uh, the comics and spirituality, mm-hmm. we did a little series on that. And uh, we had talked about maybe doing some sigils, grant morrison the one yes yes we yeah you know, so anyways that's a that's a standing project to be done <laughs> probably in maybe uh an episode of a shot of spirit we'll talk about how to do a sigil or something like that i haven't like so anyways if you if you haven't heard the episode <laughs> there's a comic book writer named grant morrison and he tells all these stories of doing these sigils and them just a, this working in that kind of like way of bringing things positive into his life and so on and, uh, and he's talking about it from the point of view of not like the secret, like something you'd see maybe an Oprah's book club or something. He's talking about it from a point of view of ritual magic. Mm-hmm. And there's a couple of these comic book writers who are really interested in those things. Right. Anyway, so that was the, ep- that was part of the episode and we thought, well, we should probably do some sigils and see, but I was talking with this patient of mine, uh, who's interested in spiritual practice and shamanism and things. And we were just talking about this issue. And I was like, well, you know, the sigil thing is kind of hard for me. I have a little resistance against it because I don't want to attract anything that I haven't earned or that wouldn't be a benefit of others. Yeah. And she was like, well, maybe the thing about that is that the thing that you're ultimately going to attract with the sigil is good for everybody. Why wouldn't that be the case? Or maybe I just said that in the end. <laughs> That's uh, that, actually Eric, As a way that, of justifying my sigil use.
0: <laughs> that idea
1: is very, I might give it a tumble. Mm-hmm. It's, it's very Capricornian of you, actually. Well, I got like Gemini, but it's in the 10th house, man. It's in the Capricornian house. Oh man, welcome. My parents were both Capricorns. <laughs> hey,
0: see, now it all comes, it, <laughs> it comes bears, home. Everything comes it, together. They come home
1: to roost. So anyways, that the sigil thing, maybe we'll do it at some point, right? Let's do it. Yeah, I'm down, yeah. I'm down. All right. all right, cool. So we did the Gnostic deal. I think that closes our little thing about this. I think this last point was a really big one for me. I think when I was learning it, I thought, well, what is it actually saying? And it started really talking about the negativities in the environment. yeah in a really brutally honest way whether you believe that the world is dominated by a demiurge <laughs> and a bunch of archonic minions maybe you don't believe that totally right but the idea of looking at it in this brutally honest way i was like okay that is interesting and it's obvious spoken to other people we haven't done the carl jung episode so we all kinds of things to do but he was influenced by this mm-hmm. gnostic take and it's obviously like he saw that there was these forces of oppression and these problems so Anyways, we'll get back to all of these things. I'm sure this will come up again, but that seemed to be like a nice way to close on the gnostic thing to just have this honest conversation about. Yes, yeah,
0: yeah. No, I think it, I think it's good. Well, you know, the, the the point was to turn things on its head and and view the view things for a potentially different perspective and and change the paradigm. And so it fits right in
1: what we're trying to it, do. I mean, the way it even challenges some of the Buddhist stuff. Yeah, things that we all probably always always otherwise agree with, but you know, where it points out a problem. It like. Puts its finger on a problem. Yeah, it says yeah, which so is okay. It's, it's very thought provoking.
0: Yeah, yeah, that's okay. That's what we're doing here, Eric. Provoking thoughts. Yes. Yeah, amongst many other things. Mm-hmm. All right, Eric. Well, as always, thank you so much, my friend. I appreciate doing this with you every week. Uh, you know, I learn. It's it's a good conversation. Um, you know, and I hope that the audience is enjoying it as they have been, and and. Uh, We'll continue to do so. So thank you everybody for tuning in. If you're listening to us on Apple Podcasts, which increasingly is is like probably about half the audience, uh, give us a review, you know, just a quick five star click, say a couple of nice words, if you appreciate the work that we're doing. We definitely appreciate it It does help us out helps us grow a little bit and reach more people, which is ultimately our goal. Um, and so, yeah, thank you for whether today's your first episode or your hundredth, you know, we've been doing this for a minute and we definitely appreciate all the support that we get. If uh, you have any show ideas or things you'd like us to cover, or just some general feedback for us, please do not hesitate. Hit us up at Jin and Tantra. At gmail.com you can find us on the instagram and uh, we will be getting some uh, some video here in the next probably month or two which is really nice so uh y'all will be able to to kind of connect with us on the youtube space and maybe share some clips with other people uh so we're, we're working on growing in that way and uh, we appreciate all the efforts that you will uh input to helping us uh maintain <laughs> and grow what it is that we are doing because i do believe that like we're talking and people are listening. So it's kind of a one-way conversation, but I really hope that people, you know, we have had some, some response, but it is a two-way conversation. It doesn't just have to be Eric and I or whoever our guests are talking to. Like we definitely do love when people hit us up. It it gives us good ideas. It it lets us know what is kind of touching for people, which is touching for us. Cause it's like, Oh wow. What we're doing is having a nice effect. So, you know, I, I know I say it after every episode, but really, and truly, I, I mean it, you know, we do love the feedback, like truly and honestly. So, um, yeah, that's the all thing, I got. The whole
1: thing's like a labor of love, right? Yeah, without mm-hmm. a doubt.
0: Without yeah. a doubt. Many hours at this point we've been we've put into this thing and, and many more to come. So Eric, thank you so much to our audience. Thank you so much. For Eric, this is Daniel. We'll catch you on the next one. Peace. I want you to get I want you to get